Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of A Week in Watches. Uh, I'm your host, Zach Weiss, co-founder of Warner Wound, and you might already be able to tell this is a slightly different uh, style of the uh, A Week in Watches episode. It's audio only this week because of, you know, things happen, technical difficulties. But as a bonus, I am joined by none other than Blake Bettner. Hello, Zach. I even got my hair cut. Yes. <laughs> that you won't get to see you in won't video get to see. next time. No more beanies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so this is going to be a, a normal episode of a week in watches. Um, there were some pretty interesting releases. In fact, I'd say there, there were you know, several releases, but the two that are probably going to get the most uh, breadth in this episode were uh, on wildly different spectrums of the industry, and it, it couldn't be any more different in their style of watches. So it should be fun to cover. Um, before we get to that, uh, if this uh, content is enjoyable, well, I guess you won't like and subscribe this time, but please do leave us a rating, a thumbs up. Um, you know, I'd head over to YouTube and like and subscribe anyway. We would appreciate it. We will be back uh, sooner than later. And uh, this week's sponsor is uh, Wind Up Watch Up, uh, the retail side of Worn and Wound. There's over 20 watch brands available through the Wind Up Watch Shop, a smattering of EDC straps, other sorts of things. Watch uh, boxes. Watch boxes, yes, watch boxes too. Um, so head to windupwatchshop.com, check that out, and get yourself something nice. All right, our first story this week, um, well, I called it Blanc Pond Gets Weird, which is probably accurate, but Blancpain announced uh, this week uh, a very strange watch as part of the continued 70th anniversary of the 50 Fathoms. Um, Blake, you got to go to a, a little event around this launch and see this launch firsthand, so you certainly know quite a bit more than I do, and you've actually seen it, you've actually felt it. Yeah, yeah. I, I did get to see this watch. I was at the launch event, uh, which was live-streamed, uh, yeah. actually, throughout the world, uh, hosted by our good friend Jason Heaton. Uh, of course, he did a great job. I believe he had a chance to even dive in the watch, uh, along with uh, Laurent Balesta, who runs the... Um, uh, Gombessa Diving Expeditions, which yeah. have all been done in conjunction with Blanc Pond, uh, who... Of course, the 50 Fathoms goes back to 1953, obviously the 70th anniversary. The CEO of Blancpain at the time was an avid diver, yeah. which kind of sets it apart from other dive watches of that era. The yeah. watch is literally in response to things that he was actually doing, uh, totally. which I think is kind of a cool callback for, for the 50 Fathoms. Uh, and it's probably why it is, well, they claim the first Real modern dive watch. I think yeah. there's a few brands that are probably fighting that out amongst themselves, and we'll let them. Yeah, that's they can fine. Keep fighting it. Yeah. Uh, but 1953 is certainly early, and it seems like it wasn't because they were just trying to occupy some new commercial territory. Yeah. This was guy was actually was doing need. it. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think that's pretty cool. And in the spirit of that, uh, and even their current uh, CEO is also an avid diver. Uh, so he he's taken part in some of these dives with uh, with Laurent Balesta. Uh, I don't know if any of the expedition dives, but he does dive with him. Yeah. He's an avid and diver himself. It is Mark Hayek. Yes. Mark Hayek, yes. uh, So, uh, and, and he was on the live stream as well, giving his thoughts. Uh, so yes, the watch, the Tech Gombessa. Tech uh, Act right. 2. Act which 2. Is, Act 2, yes. Yeah, which is an interesting, I kind of didn't realize until I was reading the uh, press release over that the they're doing this in acts. They're, they're making this very uh, dramatic uh, anniversary year. So there was already yeah. an Act 1, which was a limited edition that came out a couple mm -hmm. months ago. It's like a 42.3 millimeter version of the... Yeah, a Very new 42 specific. millimeter case. Yeah, a little yeah. over 42. Um, so, 
which was sharp and yeah. had the 70th anniversary on the dial or traditional 50 very fathoms traditional. looking though act two is yeah. is very different though it does it, it's, so. it, it takes a step into the strange uh, certainly as you alluded to uh, but it's all in the service of functionality yep. uh, so the dives that these guys go on uh, are, are much longer than you'd be able to get with open circuit diving uh you take this with a grain okay, of salt. So I am not an expert. So these are closed circuit rebreather. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so so this mixes this this captures uh, the the bubbles and, and re like scrubs them wow. so you okay. can rebreathe it literally. So so it's a closed system. So this also means that no bubbles escape from the system, which can be like distracting for the life, uh, mm. um, the the life that you're trying to capture, uh, the life and the phenomenon underwater. Right. So uh, so anyways, these dives go on much longer than than you'd expect. They're measured in more hours than they are like minutes. Uh, so in response to this, Blanc Pond developed uh, a, a watch that has a fourth hand that makes a loop around the dial every three hours, along with a three-hour bezel uh, structure. So a little bit different than what you would expect. You look at it and you don't quite notice that something's different because you know mm -hmm. we see fourth hands on watches quite often. Certainly, certainly. Uh, it's really it, once you see the bezel that you start to notice something is different here than, than you'd expect. Uh, so it, you know you don't think of it like a GMT hand. It's not independently settable or anything like that because why would it need to be? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so you just <laughs> rotate the bezel to the, wherever that hand is and then that starts your, your tracking your three hours. So pretty neat. Uh, Hyper-specific. Hyper-specific complication. Yeah. If you can think of other uses for this. Yeah. You know, I don't know, but it's it's kind of neat that it's there. you got a three-hour drive. If you've got a three-hour drive. Like, yeah. we like funky stuff like this, uh, yeah. so it's cool. Uh, but it's, it's a large watch. Um, 47 millimeters. Don't let that scare you away, though, because it's actually surprisingly wearable. It's fully mm -hmm. titanium, so it's very, very light. And it doesn't really have a traditional lug structure. So its lug-to-lug -lug distance is about 47 millimeters as well. So it wears about like that. Obviously, visually, it looks, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big, it's a large watch. All for the, you know, for the ability for a diver underwater to be able to see and manipulate it quickly and easily. So, um, a little scarier, maybe the price yeah. is $28,000. Uh, but you know, this is kind of like a tech showcase almost. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's the tech. It's the tech going best. It's kind of a, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, has a, some X fathom vibes to yeah, it that yeah. is bringing in to a more kind of palatable platform. almost. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah. The 50 fathoms modernized to, uh, you know, a, a different degree, um, yeah. but not just for the sake of a futuristic look. Like, yeah. as unrelatable, perhaps, to the, myself as a three-hour dive might be, like, <laughs> I do, you know, I do really like, you know, with, like, something like the FXD, it's sort of similar. Like, there were functions that were designed for a very specific task. And then as a consumer, like, oh, it's available to you, the consumer. Yeah. You know, because yeah. we made this thing. But it was really for these people mm -hmm. who would do this really specific thing that we made it. And, like, you know, that's... That's kind of cool. That's like an interesting thing for a watch yeah. brand to do, certainly. And there were one other thing, or well, two other things I want to point out that I thought were interesting. One, the titanium used is grade 23, which was new to me. And apparently what that is, is also, it's also known as grade five, which I have heard of, extra low interstitials. So it's like super pure oh, titanium. Okay. So there you go. It's fancy titanium. Fancy titanium. Fancy titanium, which I like. Okay. The other thing is, so this has a helium escape valve. Yeah. And you know the whole thing with helium escape valves, or for saturation diving, yada yada. But once again, that pays plays into what they're actually doing. Yeah. It said it was tested over fifty days in a saturation environment where they would, I guess, live in. Is that a dive bell? Yeah, it was a dive, yeah. They they put the whole thing down there. 
don't know how what these guys are doing for that long, but they they're down there and then yeah. they they're fully pressurized already, so they don't have to to depressurize on their surface, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, so they can just like go at, at their dives. They get a lot more diving time um, without decompression yeah. needs. So, but so once again. Helium escape valve here, not just for looks and to be like, I got a professional diver. It's because that was something that they needed living in a saturation environment. And on top of that, it's actually only, I put only in air quotes, you can't see, it's a 300 meter diver, which may be saying like, what? That's really normal. Well, this whole, these super serious dives are taking place at 120 meters, which also just puts into perspective what the depth ratings really mean. Yeah, I, I, neither of us are professional divers, but I, I can tell you uh, I've, I've interacted with enough of them through these types of things. 300 meters is a extreme depth to yeah. be diving to that al- almost no divers on the face of this earth are doing yeah. <laughs> uh, at all. Certainly uh, not in like a wetsuit. I mean, even right. like going to 100 and beyond, I think requires a very special level of technical knowledge and training and, and yeah. that kind of thing. So it was certainly far beyond recreational level diving, yeah. you know, which is maybe 30 to 40, maybe 50. Uh, but even the training required to do that is 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 much more um, uh, intense, I think, than people realize. Yeah. Oh, so I'm sure. when you see I'm a 300 sure. meter diver, yeah. it's it's plenty. So ironically, the Tech Combessa is probably the most professional dive watch we've seen in quite some time. Very true. Very <laughs> true. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the Blanc Pan Tech Combessa 50 pounds Act Two, Act Three. Coming soon. Coming we don't soon. know when that's going to yeah. be. Yeah. Um, I will say. I hope I see more of that strap integration. In other watches yeah. that they do, yeah. Here. Well, that that, that should be interesting. I mean, maybe cool. that's something they'll bring over. I mean, they had to create tooling and everything for that strap. Yeah. So maybe there is a modern line of like uh, fifty fathoms coming out. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Once again, we don't. We don't. Act three. It's coming soon. <laughs> All right. Next up, uh, Grand Seiko doubles down on winter. Um, that's actually not quite the most accurate title, but you know, it's what I came up with. So <laughs> Grand Seiko announced this week uh, two new watches or within the last week, both with uh, kind of whitish silvery dials, uh, one that is more specifically winter-based. And so the first model is the SBGJ217, and this is the GMT that is in the Excellence line uh, that features for the first, well, the second time ever, this sort of vertical grained dial. Um, it is said to be to represent snow-covered trees and the Japanese concept of yugi, yuki geisho. I really butchered that. Mm. Yuki geisho. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 39.5 millimeters. It uses the 9S86 caliber, which is the high B GMT, not the spring drive. And it's $7,100. Um, so it's pretty standard Grand Seiko new color. Uh, of a model we've seen before, uh, what do you think about this one? It's certainly lovely. I think they all are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's they 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 aren't shy about continually exploring um, concepts no. uh, from their regions and putting them in into dial form. So it's it's really interesting to see uh, the small differences that they manage to come up with and put yep. in in some of these watches. Uh, so you know, it's 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 seemingly endless inspiration, obviously, from yeah. a beautiful landscape. That's true. There, if only the- if every landscape was as inspirational as <laughs> yeah. that of Japan. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I know people are quite excited for this texture, which I've also heard referred to as the matrix dial. I think it's the vertical lines. Okay. Um, I don't. That's the non-official one. Um, but it was previously only in a red dialed watch, uh, which I believe is a limited edition. So it's you know it's back in an open. But in a way that's not too close to that other ones, I don't feel like there's going to be any sort of stepping on toes here. Yeah. Um, either way, it seems like a you know, another another nice Grand Seiko. Yeah. The second model that came out uh, is a bit more exotic, 
I should say. And so this is the SBGC253. And this is a new spring drive chronograph GMT in their sort of highly faceted case that came out just a, a couple of years ago, the first time. This is this whole watch is said to be inspired by the lion. Okay, so the texture on the dial, which is sort of like what you'd see on like the spring and winter, it's that sort of cloudy amorphous dial, is said to sort of represent the mane. And then this just this whole faceted case of us sort of have like the the power of the lion, if you will, the, the majesty of the lion. And we have seen this case before, um, and I was trying to figure out exactly which models. I'm, I'm not 100% sure if it was only on a chronograph or there was also those 9F quartz GMTs which came out that had that ceramic bezel. Yeah. I think this is sort of similar to those. Um, but just quickly running through the specs, this one is a high-intensity titanium case which is good because it is one of their larger models at 44.5 millimeters. But as you can see from the style of it, it's probably not that much longer than it is wide. So probably, you know, it's probably like 46 or so, 47. I don't have the exact measurement. 16.8 millimeters thick. It is a spring drive GMT chronograph, of course. But I and I have to double check this. I was looking. I think that's a new bracelet. What do you think about now that? That could be the big story. Yeah, that is a nice looking bracelet, and uh, yeah, I know that they take their 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 amount of guff for for some of the bracelet yeah. designs. Um, I would like to see this expanded upon further. Yeah. yeah, I think the whole watch is like obviously pretty intense, and if if this is the kind of watch that you're like ready to rock, um, you're probably not bothered by the thickness measurement or, or anything no, like no. that. This is like an all in watch, and I like that they put they paired all this the intense dial with this case, which can kind of stand up to it and, yeah. and, and still stand on its own. Uh, but yes, I'd be very curious to know more about that bracelet. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking kind forward to it. Kind of an H-Link style? It looks like, a, yeah, I don't recall seeing an H-Link bracelet from them recently ever. Um, you know, some of these chronographs sometimes come in and out of their catalog. Uh, but given that this is a newer case, I feel like it might be a new design or a design brought back. It's it All around, just, I mean, it looks really great. And this movement, you know... I feel like this is a part of Grand Seiko that just doesn't get enough talk. Like this might be the hidden gem of their movements in some way. It's their most complicated yeah, movement. The certainly. 9R86. 9R86. So, you know, it's spring drive. So you have the sort of infinite accuracy of smooth sweeping hands, but on a chronograph um, that also has a flyer GMT complication and of course a date. But then their chronograph layout is totally nuts. It's a little, it's almost a little jarring at first, right? You have the seconds, active seconds over on the left side at nine, and then stacked right above each other vertically are the minute and hour counters, which yeah. no other chronographs have a layout like that. So it's 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 bizarre, but it's distinctive. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It's it's balancing it all out. Uh, Okay, I think there's the, the power reserve indication, uh, which is at kind of around the seven o'clock, yeah. and then the, the the Grand Seiko mark being up there. That's the weirdest part. Almost. The logo is like <laughs> they're like, where do we put the logo? And there's there's not a lot of room with those sub dials. So yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, look, this is like an all in yeah. kind of an approach uh, to this watch. It's very I'm interesting. I'm hoping looking. to try this on at watches and wonders. I, I won't lie. I think this there's there might be something to this one. Like it might have the right amount of funk. You know? Yeah, absolutely. This is a it's a very striking looking watch, and uh, it's I, I like it. Watch it's not a little bit of kind of weirdness. It's just kind of all in. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's great. And this this bracelet for sure, definitely interested to see more of that. Yeah. Also, pump pushers. A lot of these and pump pushers. Spring drives sometimes they got the screw down. <laughs> all right. So that model. Uh, 
once again is the SBGC 253 and it will have a retail price of $12,000 when that is available. All right. Up next, release of the week. It's a big release. The big release of the week. Yeah. Autodromo gets digital. Yep. So Autodromo, obviously uh, friends uh, of the brand, good friends of Bradley Price uh, and a longtime fan of brand, both of us, mm-hmm. um, has released its first like new line in really some time. Um, there's been a lot of you know new colors. The Group C has sort of kept going, and uh, he's done a lot of stuff over the over the while. But yeah. this one, and you know, backstory: we have we saw prototypes of this a while ago. So some of us have been anticipating this launch for quite some time. <laughs> so it's very exciting that's happened. It's the Group C. Yeah, it's a digital watch. Yeah, what is Group C? And Tell us about the watch. You don't know. So Group C was a, a racing league. If you're literally asking what a Group yeah, C is. Yeah, Group C. I am because it, it obviously, you know, it's Autodromo. It's car yeah. inspired. And the Group B was so closely inspired by the Group B rally car. So It and, is. Yeah. And, and, and I've... In a very interesting way, and maybe not ways that you would expect, because I don't think you look at it, you don't see like a picture of the car or mm-hmm. anything. Like it's 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 more subtle the inspiration that he takes, which is why I really enjoy these uh, watches in the first place. But Group C was a, a racing uh, series introduced by the FIA in the early '80s. Uh, it lasted about uh, ten years. Uh, I think the Le Mans of '93 or '4 was the last appearance uh, of these cars in like an, an official. Uh, Endurance racing. Um, so these, this this is a league that produced some pretty wild cars. What I mm-hmm. think today we'd maybe think of as like a prototype uh, endurance racer uh, cars. So uh, back then it was kind of bridging the gap between um, kind of closed top uh, racers and the open top prototype racers into into one. So uh, we got some cars, some some. some 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 of the all-time great racing cars like the um, 962, the 9C, the 77B, um, uh, just some all some of the all-time okay. truly great like screaming race cars. Horribly unsafe, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, compared to mm. uh, today's standards. Uh, and it was actually the the, the um, desire to regulate more uh, of the sport that phased this, which is why it was kind of eventually phased out. They wanted to kind of have a more uniform engines mm. and, and, and technology and stuff like this. So, uh, you know, I mean, Mazda was using a version of their rotary engine in the 787B. Like, there was no kind of standardization right, right. along that realm. So, they would just use kind of balance So, there could power. be like huge advantages and things I like mean, potentially, yeah, yeah. And some wild aerodynamic things that were going on. So, so it was a pretty cool series and, and still to this day, these are kind of like legendary cars. So, this is, is, is kind of the, the source, the pool of inspiration that Bradley went to for this watch. Uh, but again, I think you... you you maybe don't have to know or understand anything about those cars, mm-hmm. or even ever seen one to to still appreciate this. And even if you are very familiar with with Group C, I don't think you would look at this and immediately be like, "Oh, that looks like a Group C car." Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's the point, and I don't think it's the no, point no. with like the Group B either, uh, where it just kind of takes some of the some of the design motifs in more subtle ways that he kind of teases out of them and, and uses here. So it's, you really kind of capture like. Uh, the spirit or a vibe that you get from a design style of that era, you know, in, in more subtle ways, which I think yeah. is what makes these so interesting to me and, and, and kind of unexpected. I mean, it says group C on the dial, um, sports chrono, sports chrono. Oh, and it's got the, chrono. the kind of like graphic to the left of it with the, yeah, you know, yeah. it looks like something you would see kind of like on the side of a racing car from the eighties yeah, yeah. or something. It's got a real kind of eighties vibe. And of course it's, digi- it's a digital readout, which also kind of reads in a very like 
cassette player from the late yeah. 80s type vibe <laughs> as well. But I think the watch as a whole is, is pretty interesting because it's it's got the, the steel case, a sapphire crystal, uh, these kind of subdued, um, I don't know, the DLC coating. Yeah, so there's four models at launch and um, there's three of them are metal with just normal coatings. So yeah, yeah there's like a black It's like a uh, gunmetal y black. Yeah. yeah. Over a really beautiful brushing. It's a very and and then the one while well, I'm holding it right now is yellow Cerakote, which is, you know, has the look of like a painted item. Um yeah. and is all yellow with yellow buttons. And the other ones all have like molded buttons, like injection molded plastic buttons on the side. Yeah. So it's really nice and and strange, honestly, sort of mix of like high level of finishing and machining with sort of like low tech details yeah. that give it this like, just this really funky vibe. Like this seems like a high end thing from the eighties made by Sony or something that did, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like in a very cool way. Um, but in our, in today's context, it's like, it's pure nostalgia. It's, it's nostalgia for either the vehicles or it's nostalgia for yeah. the, the digital watches you might've had at the time. Yeah. Um, it's it's really it's a storytelling watch and it's very different and of course you know it does have the time on it's got the date it's got the date it's got all the functions of like a classic digital watch yeah that you'd you expect know? yeah yeah and I w- I will say like don't if if don't uh, come to quick judgment about this watch from a few pictures like mm-hmm. I, this does have a more premium feeling to it than I think. Uh, the pictures might impart. Um, I think some people just kind of latch on to the digital screen. Like it's, it's more than that. This is a, a pretty nicely finished uh, watch. Oh, yeah. it, it feels really nice on, it feels substantial. It doesn't feel like a plasticky watch or anything like that. It's got some nice heft to it. Uh, you can tell this is a very well considered watch. And of course we'd expect nothing less from, from Bradley. So uh, very different from like the inter-Europa group B or, or the Valley Lunga or something like that. This is just purely its own yeah, thing which I kind of like seeing, you know, total departure, yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I don't remember the exact uh, watch it was, but I, having been to Bradley's office several times, he has some weird, like funky digital watches from over the years. And I forget there was one in particular he showed me, and you know, I, you can see the inspirations. He's like a collector of things, automotive, but also design. Yeah, and um, you know, there's those inspirations are clearly here. It's just. It's just so much fun to see something like so different, and like, and you know that might seem really, I don't know, like a, an ex- I don't know, not an excuse or something. Like, like, like obviously it's fun to see something different, but like if you were to walk in and, and see like a bunch of watches that came out in the last year, this one you'd stop and be like, what? Like, how yeah. how that happen? In a great way because it's like I said, it's everything details considered. Yeah. It's just really going for a different aesthetic. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd be curious to see how he develops this concept, yeah. uh, particularly with the Cerakote here, which you know I think works nice. I'd like to see um, some contrasting colors and like really kind of go nuts with 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 that. Uh, I know this one is kind of pure yellow, but I think there's lots of opportunity here to have fun with a lot of different color schemes. Uh, we have these two in front of us, so there's also kind of a one with red and green or red mm. and yellow buttons. There's like a mixture of the colors, which I kind of like, yeah, because uh, yeah. then it kind of feels more like that vibe mm. it's it's bright and vibrant which i feel like these things are you know yep. and uh, and that's why they work so well and obviously the the gray to black platform of the steel case the colors just 
completely jump off of it, uh, which is a lot of fun. So. Yeah, no, the, you have that like neon green. It's very much the like green color you'd find on those uh, sunglasses you'd get in party bags as a <laughs> yeah. kid. You know, yeah. it's like specific green, and it really jumps off even the dial underneath the crystal, which is uh, great to see. But I also just love the case shape. Uh, it slopes down on either side in this really elegant way. Um, yeah, yeah, there's there's really a lot to enjoy, and then there's a lot of nostalgia here. So the Group C's uh, just announced they're available now, and they are priced at four seventy five. Is that accurate? Yeah, and that's for yeah. all four of them. And that's for all four of them. Yeah, for four hundred seventy five dollars. Um, you know, I don't know how many will be produced, particularly in this one, uh, but I don't think it's like a limited edition per se. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and they're thirty six millimeters. Uh, so it wears really beautifully on on the wrist, for sure. So. Well, so that is uh, the Autodrome Group C, a fun and uh, unexpected, well, we expected it because we saw a prototype a long time, <laughs> but probably for the rest of the world, quite unexpected uh, launch from, uh, from the brand. And uh, yeah, you know, that's it for episode 37 of A Week in Watches. Thank you for listening. And, um, you know, we'll see you next time. Please uh, don't forget to check out windupwatchup.com for some new swag. And also head to warnandwound.com daily for uh, news reviews. There's information on, I think, all of the watches that we talked about today. Yeah. Live on the site right now. There you go. So get more details there. And uh, we'll hopefully see you next time.